This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And now it's time for the Jack Riccardi Show. Well, Happy New Year, Christian. Same to you. I, I have to say, uh, in all of the... Uh, times that I thought about what we might be discussing, you and I, on this first day of, uh, you know, working together in the new year, boy, this is not the story I would have expected or anybody could have predicted. And you and I talk about football so often yeah, because it's a common uh, interest. And um, I was watching that game last night and I, it, it occurred to me only today that these are the kinds of things that you usually hear about happening Mm -hmm. but you don't see happen live yeah the live factor in this case i think is what makes it even bigger than it already is national television two networks uh a night that was a holiday or or day off night for a lot of people um very anticipated um game and uh and so and so the 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 shock of it is magnified by the fact that you were seeing it happen as it happened and um and and just not and and no one knew you know the 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 sports television world is full of analysts and breaking down data and analytics and here was a moment no one had any idea no one knew what to say no one had any insight no one had any inside scoop they just had nothing No, you know, to put into perspective, and I'll be quick about this, last night when this was happening, I was not watching the game. I was working on Texas automobile registration paperwork. Totally boring. And my phone goes off, and I pick it up, I look at it, and it's mid-Missouri where I moved from. And so I thought, well, that's probably someone I know. I answer it, and it's a true story. I was getting a phone call from a, a special needs young man who's a really big fan of all radio up in Mm -hmm. mid-Missouri. And he ended up getting my phone number on accident. Just a separate story there. My cell phone got posted to the last station's website and Dakota got it. And I answer the phone and he's just frantic. Mm -hmm. And I know who it is. He's got a speech impediment. He's special Mm -hmm. needs. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, Dakota, is everything okay? He's frantic. I said, you got to slow down, Dakota. What are you trying to tell me? Finally, after about 30 seconds, he's repeating and repeating. He said, someone could die. Someone could die. I thought something was wrong with him or his family. So we finally got it slowed down. I started picking up Bill's Bengals. I said, Dakota, are you watching football? And he said, yes, you have to watch the football. And I'm like, "What, what are you saying? So long story short, as I had him on the phone, I pulled up the internet because I was at my computer anyway. And it's one of those stories where, I mean, you just get Bill's injury and 
there it is. Yeah. This was probably 30 yeah. minutes old or so. Yeah. And I was just taken aback. Now, that's how it affected him. And I haven't forgotten that. All last night, all today, we've all seen, you know, Hamlin, you know, make the tackle. He gets up, falls to the ground, as horrific as that was. But as you said, going into this, the way this affected people, I think, had mm-hmm. so much to do with the live factor mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. if that makes yeah. sense. There, in all of the moments in our lives that we think about as watershed or, or historic or newsmaking or whatever they are, they're mm-hmm. usually things you heard about after they happened, and you heard about it after it happened. But for yep. people that, you know, certainly for people watching, but when you think about the guys on the field, I was just having a conversation with somebody off the air and saying, you know, the the way I knew this was different was the the players' faces. Yeah. Because these are people that see broken bones and blood and teeth, and you could tell how destroyed. They didn't look like big, tough guys. Hard to find a football player afraid, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they look like scared little boys and tears and genuine emotion. Um, Yeah, well, thank you, Christian. We'll we'll talk more about it. But it, 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 so... I will say this, and I know that people get angry when we talk about sports on this show. Too bad. This isn't even a sports story. This is a human story. This is somebody's brother, somebody's son, somebody's friend, somebody's teammate. Um, And um, there are so many different things we can talk about here. But I will tell you one thing that, that really has amazed me over the last several hours is that right away, when we didn't know what had happened, when we didn't know if he was alive, when we were seeing the fear and the tears, there was prayer. People were praying. Players were praying. Both teams were praying. People in the stands in Cincinnati were praying, and this was a visiting team's player. There was there was call for prayer from the announcers and the analysts, and uh, the you know everybody said it right. Please pray for Demar Hamlin. We're praying for Demar Hamlin. The, Twitter fired up. Every player in the NFL, every professional athlete, pray prayers for Demar Hamlin and his family. And this is interesting to me because I think this is heartfelt. I think this is genuine. I mean, there may be a few people out there. Uh, I, I'm not naive. I know there may be a few people bandwagoning, but to me, this was an immediate, instinctive, heartfelt call for prayer. And it tells us a lot about what we really believe about prayer. Because think about the society we've made. And you, I'm not saying you did this, but just think about the society we've made. We're punishing coaches of sports teams if they pray on the field. We're firing them. We're punishing people if they have overt signs of their faith in their workplace. We're telling people not to pray in public. It's triggering. It's coercive. And and yet last night in Cincinnati, Ohio, prayer was all we had. We didn't know what had happened. No one knew what to do. They actually thought they were going to resume the football game. All we had was prayer. And it turns out that's what we always have anyway. That's That's sometimes all we have anyway. So except for the medical professionals that were working on DeMar Hamlin, everybody knew all they could do was pray, and they did. And so all this posturing about prayer doesn't matter and prayer doesn't belong in public and you're naive and what is this God you believe in and this 
this book of fables called the Bible that you believe in, and you can't, you can't take that seriously. You don't really think those things happened, but here's everybody praying and calling for prayer. And we should pray for him and his family. I was thinking about his mother. They said that they found his mother. I don't know how they do that. How, how do you find this woman in a, in a stadium of 60,000 people in a visiting, you know, from the visiting team, but somehow they knew where she was and they got to her and they brought her down and they got her in the ambulance apparently and took her and him to the hospital. And I was thinking how many, how many of us have had a son or daughter play sports and you're cheering for them and you're proud of them, but your heart's in your throat every time. And we know what they don't know, what young people don't know. When you're of a certain age, we all were like this, whether you played sports or not. You're immortal. Nothing can happen to you. Bad stuff happens to other people. And, and of course, you get older, you realize it's not true. Uh, but when you're a parent, this is, this is your fear, your dread, your nightmare all the time. So for the young player, he, there's no place else he'd rather be than where DeMar Hamlin was. And he brought down T. Higgins, which is exactly what he was supposed to do. And he did it exactly the way he was supposed to do it. And, and then we saw that these guys are not immortal. They look like transformers on the field, right, with all the pads. And they're so big and they're so not look like the rest of us. But, but they're human. And not only human, but they can be afraid and they can be emotional and they can be fearful and they can be scared. And they were. And we were. And then I also think about um, how fast everybody said, well, we're not going to play this game. Now think about football. Think about how football doesn't stop for COVID. It doesn't stop for weather. It doesn't stop for anything, right? Seldom have regular season games been suspended or postponed. They'll even move it to another city if the weather's too bad in the city that's supposed to host the game. And this game ended. And it ended, I think... I can't prove this, but I think it ended because both coaches and both teams spontaneously agreed they weren't going to keep playing. I mean, the league is trying to say now that they never intended to resume the game. But there is some reason to wonder about that because there seemed to be a story circulating last night that the league was giving the players a few minutes and then they were going to resume. And it looked like the players believed that at one point as well. Um, I, I don't know, and we may not ever really know if the league, which now, by the way, their position is, oh, we had no intention of resuming that game. I, I, I don't know if we'll ever really know the truth, but uh, I think it's very interesting that the players and the coaches knew what to do, did the right thing. Um, it, 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 this is a terrible story, but here we are on the third day of a new year talking about someone we had never heard of until last night praying together across every line, right? Party line, ethnic line, racial line, people that don't watch football, people that don't know anything about football. People in Cincinnati, Ohio last night went to the hospital because there was a young man in their city. He didn't play for their team, but they were they were praying for him or holding a candle for him. So we've we've learned a lot about ourselves and hopefully we're going to learn good news about Demar Hamlin very very soon. The other story that's playing out today is this, um, uh, what would normally be a very routine, almost ceremonial thing, 
where they would just elect a new Speaker of the House. And the reason they need a new Speaker of the House is because, A, the parties have changed positions. The Republicans are now, by a hair, the majority party in the House, and because Nancy Pelosi retired. So even if the Democrats had held the House, there'd be an election for a new Speaker. Normally, routinely, without us even thinking about it, the majority party would choose one of its members to be the speaker. There are just enough Republicans who don't like Kevin McCarthy, and we're going to talk to one of them later in the show. How much of this are you interested in? I mean, do you, do you as you, as you wrap up your day or get set to go home later, do you care about this? Do you care who, who the speaker of the house is? Is this, is this something that we in the media think is a huge deal? And you hear it, and you hear about it, and you hear people talking about it, but you're not really sure, does it matter to me? Do I care? Won't, won't it be business as usual? I mean, it's even kind of hard to tell sometimes which party is in control. But does it matter which member of the party is the Speaker of the House? I mean, I think that's a legit question. We're going to talk about that coming up here as well. We're going to talk to a uh, leading cardiologist, one of the best in San Antonio, uh, about the DeMar Hamlin uh, story. We're going to talk to Ed Morrissey uh, about uh, that, about the speaker battle, about the passing of the Pope Emeritus, and many other things. Congressman Chip Roy is going to join us. Your calls and a lot more. All the breaking news and your chance to hear about it and talk about it all right here. On 550 KTSA and FM 1071, let's get our look at KTSA Time Saver Traffic. San Antonio's News, Traffic, and Weather Station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. KTSA News Time 423. Jack Riccardi on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Happy New Year. Welcome back. Uh, If you were... uh, out of town or on vacation or away. Big thanks to J.D. for filling in uh, last week. And um, we're excited to uh, to be back, although, again, we're, we're talking about some things that are not what we would have expected to be uh, talking about. Um, I, I guess, to me, the, um, the DeMar Hamlin story got very personal, and I, I haven't talked a lot about this, and I don't want to make this about me, but I'll, I'll tell you why, besides being a football fan and, and being a sports fan and thinking this is a uh, a very admirable young man from everything I've heard about him, um, it, 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 it sounds like there may be something going on with heart arrhythmia or his heart, and we're going to get a, a cardiologist's opinion here in about 15 minutes. But, um, you know, when my daughter was young, uh, she was diagnosed with a, uh, a heart condition that in and of itself was not serious but was like a ticking kind of like a ticking time bomb kind of a thing. And um, we were able to get it corrected when she reached a certain age. As a teenager, there was a very simple procedure that could reset it, correct it, um, and she's fine. But had we not known that, um, she could have been susceptible to, to something you know serious. And... I imagine there are uh, a lot of people walking around of all ages who have a, a little bit of arrhythmia or uh, you know something that's livable that doesn't affect their day to day, but just 
getting hit the right way, just absorbing a blow, any kind of trauma might might you know create a, a a crisis. It kind of looks like that is what happened here. That something very fluky uh, took down this otherwise you know this young man who was in the the best health of his life. And you know the safety position in football is a very athletic position. You're long and you're lean and you're uh, fast, and um, th- these are some of the the best athletes on any football field at the safety position. So anyway, um, I, I, I guess I look at this and I think there, but for the grace of God, my son, my daughter, my brother, uh, a friend. And I, and I think that's why this ceases to be a sports story. And, and, and of course, it's why it, it brought sports to a complete stop. And for people who hate sports, one of the things you probably hate about it is that you think it gets too much attention or it, uh, it, it, it dominates or people talk about it like it means something. But to them it does, and, and you may not understand that, and you don't have to understand it, but you can therefore appreciate anything that would be so sobering that it would cause players to say, we're going to stop playing. Those players last night were not going to continue that game. Uh, it doesn't matter who made a decision or if anybody made one, the coaches and the players were not going to continue to play that game, and they were right not to. Uh, 210-599-5555. All right, Kevin McCarthy, um, i I, I got to be honest. Um, I, I know I'm supposed to be very fired up about this. I'm a talk show host. This is a, a, a news talk station that covers a lot of politics and stuff. i, I got to be honest. I could freaking care less whether he's the Speaker of the House or not. And, and some of that has to do with him. You've heard me say this before. He seems like an empty suit. You, you can tell a lot about a guy by what he does when he doesn't have power, when he's on the outside. And the Republicans have been leaderless and rudderless with Kevin McCarthy as a minority party. And so, rightly, people are wondering, is it even going to help? Is it even going to matter if he's the Speaker of the House? Will we be able to tell that Nancy Pelosi left? I think that's a legitimate question. You can say all you want about getting things done and Republicans look ridiculous and this is chaos and what if the Democrats somehow eke out a win and they seize the speakership? Yeah, that could happen. I mean, Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic leader in the House, is getting more votes than than McCarthy is. And that's simply because all of the Democrats have voted for him and about 20 or two dozen of the Republicans are not voting Kevin McCarthy. What's interesting about this story is the media thinks the important piece of it is that Kevin McCarthy isn't getting what he wants. I think the important piece of it is that 20 or whatever it is, I I think it's about 20 Republicans, are so mad, so peed off, that they're not casting what is normally like a formality vote or a, you know, ceremonial vote. Now, again, I'm not saying I, I think there's some obviously better choice. I, I, I don't even know if it matters. Because, you know, to tell you the truth, if you're sitting around waiting for the right Republican or for somebody to come back into power or for your guy to, to run for president or for your guy to be elected president, you may be doing this wrong. I hate to break it to you, but... Um, Waiting around for the right Republican is probably not going to work. 
I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine the other day. He's not very political, but we got into politics a little bit at the end of our conversation, and he was complaining, and I hear this all the time, he was complaining that in politics these days, both political parties, and he's pretty much a right-of-center guy, pretty conservative, but you know, both in both parties, the extremes have taken over. The fringes have taken over, and he's right. He's right. So he represents his pessimism and viewpoint represents a lot of people who are like, look, I, I'm not good with either of these extremes. And I, I, I think he's right, but I actually have a little more optimism about it. And we'll get into that as we go along here. I, I don't think it's important whether Kevin McCarthy is the speaker or Steve Scalise is the speaker or Jim Jordan is the speaker. And I know you're going to be angry at me for saying this, but I'm not sure it makes a hell of a lot of difference if it turns out that Hakeem, Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat, turns out to be the speaker of a, of a House of Representatives with more Republicans than Democrats. Maybe it'll happen. It could happen. Or maybe in the end, McCarthy's going to get this thing on the eighth ballot or the tenth ballot or whatever it is. But I would submit to you that this doesn't matter as much as you're being told it matters. So we're going to talk about that. And again, phone lines are open. You can join the show at 210-599-5555. You can shoot me an email, jack at ktsa.com. We're going to talk to the, uh, the chief of cardiology at UT Health San Antonio about the uh, DeMar Hamlin story. We're going to get to your calls about all of these things and your votes in today's JR poll. At home. Anywhere. In the car. Anytime. Anytime. Everywhere. Get the Jack Riccardi Show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. KTSA News Time is 435. Jack Riccardi on San Antonio's News Talk Station 550. And 1071 KTSA, we are keeping an eye on the uh, voting cycles in the House of Representatives as they go through multiple ballots to try to elect a speaker for the 118th uh, Congress. So as we keep one eye on that, uh, also uh, prayers all over the country, uh, football fans and non-fans alike, for Damar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills. Joining the show now on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line, Dr. Alan Anderson, uh, who is a noted expert on treatment for heart failure. He's the Chief of Cardiology at UT Health San Antonio, Director of the University Health, UT Health Heart and Vascular Institute. Dr. Anderson, thank you for your time. Uh, We appreciate you coming on this afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Absolutely. Uh, This is a... uh, uh, a scary thing to have seen and then to contemplate in a very healthy young man who obviously takes great care of himself, is under probably a lot of uh, monitoring and, and uh, conditioning. Um, and I'm not going to ask you to speculate about w- what happened to him. I-, I guess I'm just curious from your experience and expertise, um, what sort of stands out to you in the story of Damar Hamlin? Right. Well, I think although we're not used to seeing it on Monday Night Football, this is an event that happens on athletic fields throughout the country of the United States and and the world, really, uh, for a variety of different reasons. Uh, Sudden cardiac arrest is the most common cause of death in athletes this age. 
uh, interestingly. Uh, it's just not something we think about happening uh, mm -hmm. to our neighbor. Uh, there are several possibilities. Uh, a lot that has been talked about in this case is how he was hit. There's a specific condition uh, called commotio cordis that we more commonly see in uh, people who play baseball, hockey, or even lacrosse, where a hard, small projectile strikes the chest and hits the heart at such a time that it causes the heart to beat erratically and the person collapses into a rhythm. Uh, and if you don't do CPR and you don't give a shock to the heart, people die from this. And it's very well described, not common, but very well described. But there are other conditions. Some athletes go with undiagnosed cardiovascular disease that only manifests itself at some mm -hmm. strange or unusual time or at moments of intense stress. And some people have acquired conditions that they don't even know they have that can lead to dangerous abnormal heart rhythms. But I agree it's a scary phenomenon. So if I'm understanding you, this could or could not be attributed to a pre-existing condition. In other words, what you're saying is there may have been one, but there may not have been one. That's correct. That's correct. And, and so in the case of there not being one, it really is just the, uh, I guess, the unlucky angle or uh, force of a blow to the chest? That's right. That's right. It's really unlucky. It's over. Typically, they're o directly over the heart. And there's a particularly vulnerable period in the electrical cycle of the heart, and electrical impulses is what make our hearts beat. There's a particular very narrow window where if it's disrupted, that it can lead to this type of condition. So it's exceedingly unlucky on all fronts. What's unusual is that you don't typically see this in football. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talking with Dr. Alan Anderson from UT Health San Antonio. Now, um, what we're hearing uh, from the hospital is that he is uh, sedated, uh, that he's in critical condition. Are those things you expect to hear after something like this? So, again, hard to comment specifically on his case, but the short answer is yes. Typically, people who've undergone a cardiac arrest uh, and had successful resuscitation, uh, if, they're, if they don't immediately respond, one of the things that we do is cool the patient down, uh, which has been shown in many studies to perhaps help improve recovery of brain function. And so if there's uncertainty, then you'll sedate the patient, cool them uh, for 24 hours, and then uh, warm their body back up, re uh, reduce the sedation, and uh, assess the neurological status, the brain status. I, I have to say, to my layman's eyes, it appeared like there was a very quick, very competent response, that he was very fortunate, in fact, to be at an NFL stadium where there were all kinds of personnel. There was an ambulance standing by. There was a trauma center, I think they said, 10 minutes away. I mean, it, time would be of the essence here, right? That's as a professional, I would agree with your assessment completely. Uh, the key to success in situations like this is immediate or very rapid bystander CPR to restore circulation to the vital organs, and then electricity, a defibrillator to shock the heart back 
into the normal rhythm as quickly as possible. And both of those things were readily available. And, and those are the things that are going to be the keys to good recovery and success in these kinds of situations. We're all praying for his recovery. And, and it, it's, Absolutely. I don't want to get, I don't want to get ahead of the story, but is, is a complete recovery within the realm of possibility after something like this? It is. Uh, again, it all depends on timing. Uh, we are often surprised. We, we deal with cardiac arrests in the hospital all the time, every day. Uh, we see a lot of patients who sustain cardiac arrests outside the hospital. Understand that what we call a, an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, particularly if it's not witnessed, that there's not someone right there, the likelihood of that person recovering to discharge from the hospital is way less than 20%, often less than 5 to 10% mm-hmm. chance of recovery. That's all comers, uh, again, many of them unwitnessed or delays in recovery. The best chances are seen in folks who have a witnessed arrest, someone standing right there begins treatment right away. They get quick uh, return of spontaneous circulation is what we call it, return of ROSC, and then recovery there uh, is much, much higher uh, in the 50, 60 percent range and even higher. And of course, he's a young man uh, with presumably not a lot of other medical problems. You know, so many of these uh, folks are people who have a heart attack. They sustain major heart damage. Mm-hmm. They've already got multiple other medical problems that contribute to their the challenge of recovery. Mm. You know, there's been such a focus in recent years about uh, mortality issues with professional athletes, especially football players, things like CTE and and, right. and what have you, we, we've kind of, I guess, maybe forgotten, or at least I had, that there's also these immediate kinds of events. It's not just something that accumulates over time, aches and pains and, uh, you know, st- st- sort of the stress of playing over a career. But what you're telling us basically is that on any given play, on any given field, there is the potential for something like this. There are risks, and this is why, this is why that equipment is available now. Mm -hmm. There was a time when none of this would have been available. There might have been CPR, but there would have been no automatic defibrillator. Now, not only on professional sports uh, competition fields, but on practice fields, on high school athletics, collegiate athletics, and practices, many, many places have this equipment right at the ready because of the the reality that this, uh, these events happen and that we can have successful outcomes if we're prepared to deal with them. Yeah. Dr. Anderson, you've been very generous with your time. I appreciate it. We all do. Uh, thank you for coming on today. Absolutely. Push. Uh, people should know, learn bystander CPR and know how to operate an AED because they might save the life of someone very close to yeah. them. Well said. Thank you, sir. Uh, Dr. Alan Anderson with us on KTSA, the Chief of Cardiology at UT Health San Antonio, 210-599-5555. So we got that story that we have been talking about and that that has uh, obviously galvanized a lot of people. Um, We have the the deal going on in Washington. I mean, I'm sorry, but 
Um, I, I realize the script for a conservative talk show host, I should be all over that, but I, I have just reached the point. I don't want you to think something happened to me while I was off for a week, but I, I have really reached the point where, you know, I'm not waiting for the right guy or gal. It, it's going to be us. It's going to be people that go to school board meetings. It's going to be people that, that get in the faces of elected officials and demand answers. It's going to be people that join uh, or go to meetings or, or, or themselves maybe become involved in politics. And I've said all my life, I've said, you know, don't become a creature of politics. Be a real person. Don't, don't be one of these people that, that becomes obsessed. But more and more of us are getting more and more involved because we have to, because we're normal people. We know there's two genders. We, we know that kids are not supposed to be taught in school to change their, their pronouns. Um, and, and so that's, that's where my hope is. My hope is not in Kevin McCarthy or the non-Kevin McCarthy. I just can't bring myself to care that much about it. Uh, we'll, we'll follow it. I'm not saying I'll ignore it or we can talk about it. Uh, but the reason he's in a lot of trouble is not just because he's kind of an empty suit, but because I think people are starting to realize it, it isn't up to the right Republican. And this, by the way, goes for those of you that are, you know, lighting candles for Trump every night. I, I hate to break it to you, but I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. And I don't think that's even all that needs to happen. Uh, it's got to be more of the parents that we saw at school board meetings. That's the symbol. That's that's us. We're the we're the people uh, that are going to that are going to turn this thing around, not the right person for this job or the right speaker of the house. Anyway, tell me what you think, and if you disagree, 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. We'll update our KTSA Time Saver traffic for the Tuesday ride home. And with the new year, um, you may be uh, in the process of taking down Christmas decorations or cleaning up after the holidays, and you start to really take a look at your house. And if you've been kind of unhappy with, I don't know, the kitchen cabinets or the floor in the kitchen or Maybe you just are tired of a kitchen where whenever you cook, there's no room for the bowls and the instruments and the cookbook and stuff's fallen off on the floor and you've got a board over the sink. And talk to Kitchen Design by Giovanni. Call 210-460-0113. That's not committing you to anything, but you talk to their designers and they can show you a different way of using that kitchen's footprint. You know, maybe you can't make it any bigger, but maybe you can lay it out differently and get more out of it, or have an island in your kitchen, or a peninsula, or an eat-in kitchen, or whatever it is you've always wanted in that house, you told yourself one day you'd do it, and maybe now is the time. 210-460-0113, and I've used them, and I can tell you their designers are brilliant, and they'll see things you wouldn't see, and they'll make more use out of the space you have, and they'll get the most out of every dollar in your remodeling budget. 210 460 0113 for Kitchen Designs by Giovanni. 452 is our KTSA News Time. Jack Riccardi on 550 and 1071 KTSA. You can get in here at 210 599 5555. I have to say, uh, the the people that really shone last night, I think, in the coverage of the of the Demar Hamlin story, um, I, I I don't think Joe Buck or Troy Aikman, with all the money they're paid, they didn't know what to say, they didn't know what to do, they didn't seem to want to be on the air. But Lisa Salters, that sideline reporter, 
or ESPN came up big time. She's always been good at what she does. Uh, she was extraordinary last night. Here's a sample, uh, cut number four. Welcome back to Cincinnati, where medical personnel have been working on Bill Safety Damar Hamlin for the last nine minutes. Hamlin made a hit. He got up, took a couple of steps, and then just fell to the ground. We don't know, of course, the extent of his injuries, but the entire Bills team is out on the field right now. Several players are down on their knees. Other players are holding hands, praying. You can just see the worried looks uh, on their faces. As soon as we have more, uh, Joe, we'll pass it on up to you guys in the booth. Yeah. Um, the other, the other uh, I was so impressed. I, I've always loved this guy, but I was so impressed by Ryan Clark. They brought him in last night on ESPN, and uh, he's a former football player um, who on any given day is, is, is very entertaining and informative but was just very heartfelt and, and descriptive of the experience of being a player and what these guys were going through. And uh, so that was that they both came up I, I think uh, I think big time. So we got that going on. We're watching the uh, the thing in the house with the speaker vote. And then I mentioned uh, you know we're in a new year. A lot of people make New Year's resolutions. The most common, one of the most common New Year's resolutions is to lose weight. Um, but, but but wait, hold on. Maybe you shouldn't be resolving that because did you know that if you are trying to lose weight, you are fat phobic. See, I I thought I thought that was understood. If you were trying to lose weight, you didn't want to be overweight. This is not a revelation to me. You know, yeah, I, I'll admit it. I was fat phobic. When I was fat, I did not like my fat. I was afraid of my fat. I hated my fat. I didn't, I didn't hate anybody else's, but I hated mine. Is that okay to say? There's this new thing now where people are saying, if you are trying to lose weight, you must hate people who have weight or are carrying weight. I, I don't know anybody who feels that way. I've never met anyone. When you're on that journey, when you're trying, you're dieting, you're working out, you've signed on for one of these plans, you're getting the meals in the mail, whatever it is. I mean, most of the time, that's about you. And obviously, maybe you're doing it for your, your husband or your wife or your family or your kids or just to, to feel better. But all of a sudden, there are people saying, well, no, you, if you do that, you are fat phobic. You are hating on other people. Now, doesn't that sound like just an excuse somebody made up? Like, I can't lose the weight, so I'm going to denigrate weight loss. I've failed. I, I can't seem to do it. I, my diets don't work, or I can't stay on them. So rather than try another one, or rather than admire people that are able to do it, I'm going to say that if you're doing it, or you're trying to do it, you're a hater. I mean, this is what we do with everything, right? We've got all these people running around that can't actually achieve or create anything, but they're good at tearing down the statues and the, and the achievements of other people, right? They'll never be famous enough to get their name put on something, but they can get other people's names taken off of a building or what have you. And so now we've got this thing. I'm going to play something for you coming out of the news, but now we've got this thing where if you are on a weight loss journey, you're a fat-phobic person. Now, that would mean, I guess, 
that in order and, and nobody wants to be a hater, right? We all if, when somebody calls us racist, we always quickly point out all the ways we're not. So so I guess the way to prove you're not would be to just stay the way you are. Don't try. Don't try to be healthier. Don't try to eat better. Don't try to get to the gym every day before work or whatever it is. Don't, because that's hateful, according to these people. And then it's even worse than that, because then they say, well, you know, um, being overweight doesn't necessarily mean you're unhealthy. Okay, all right. It, It doesn't necessarily mean that. But I think we all kind of sort of logically know that it often means that. Haven't we just been through in the last two years an experience in which clearly obesity and diabetes put you at greater risk for the the plague? Imagine being so petty that you would tell people not to do something that they are trying to do to get healthier, and you would actually be trying to convince them, probably not successfully, but I'm just blown away by the effort, you're trying to convince them not to to save themselves or improve themselves. And I mark my words, we're going to do this with everything. Every time somebody tries to reach for the next rung on the ladder, we're going to say that's hating, that's hateful, that's greed, that's discriminatory, that's privilege, that's I got you got to hear this. It's it's you won't forget it when you hear it. And we'll play this after the news. We'll get to your calls, your votes in the JR poll. Ed Morrissey's going to join us and more on 550 and 1071 KTSA. I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News, and this is more of the Jack McCarty Show. I got to say, Christian, I would not want to be Kevin McCarthy today. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? What's the most awkward day you've ever had on your job? This guy is sitting there watching vote after vote, humiliated by the fact that this is normally a pro forma thing, as you've been saying. Yep. And we don't even no, it is, we don't even pay attention to it. It isn't even a news story. It's just it's like a footnote. Oh, and by the way, they held their first vote and they elected the new speaker. Bing, bang, boom. This guy's sitting there and he's he's got that smile like he's, oh, I'm fine. This is fine. And then I read <laughs> that he is... He is already in the speaker's office. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for now. <laughs> now, think about the optics of that. That's right. Who's advising this dude? I mean, mm-hmm. that's the stupidest thing you could do. Jumping the gun comes to my mind. Yeah, I mean, remember the old joke about measuring the curtains? He literally is yeah. like measuring the curtains. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I mean, I not that I have any sympathy for him. I wouldn't want to be him any other day either, but I definitely would not want to be him today. First time in a century. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Well, and I mean, everybody knew that you were the guy. So, you know, presumably if you had any concerns, you've been working, you've had months and months to work on this. Yeah. I'm I'm guessing that he must have thought they were going to have that red wave and these 10 or 20 or whatever rebels wouldn't wouldn't matter. Well, now... They, they matter. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so there they you do. go. Yep. Math matters. Uh, 509 on KTSA, Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. Uh, very glad to be back. Enjoyed the time. Enjoyed the time off. But uh, I love being here with you and, and love to have you come in and be a part of it at 210-599-5555. Now, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm not here to give any health advice. 
I've talked a little bit about my own healthcare journey as far as losing weight. And I, what I will say, and what I've always said since I did it, and I'm uh, now about, uh, this is my, I guess, third year. What I will say is I'm always in your corner. If you're if you're starting out, if today is your first day working out or your first day on a new eating plan or you made the New Year's resolution or it's and maybe it isn't weight, maybe it's just eating healthy, I'm in your corner. I've I've got your back. I'm pulling for you. We may not know each other, but I support you doing it. And that's why I think it is sick that anybody would try to run run this down. So this woman made this TikTok. But it's not just her, but she's typical of this thinking. This new thinking is don't try to lose weight. Don't exercise. Because if you do, you're fat phobic. Listen to this. Cut number two. Generally speaking, there's three kind of big buckets of reasons why someone might engage in intentional weight loss. First is desirability. Second, health. Third, stigma. But at the end of the day, all of those are rooted in fat phobia in different ways. And I'll Mm. explain. First, desirability. That is kind of the most obvious when it comes to fat phobia. We currently live in a society that uplifts thinness, able-bodiedness, whiteness, cisness, and heterosexuality as the things that are most desirable. And so if you are wanting to lose weight in order to become more desirable, you are upholding a fat phobic beauty standard. Hold on, hold on. Okay, hold on. So you see what she did there? Being thin is the same as being white or being male or being straight. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. You you can change the part about how much you weigh. Can't change being white. So right away, we're going to link it all together, right? It always, it always comes back to the white guys, doesn't it? I mean, I'm sorry, but we're, we're really at the root of all evil, aren't we? I mean, we had a good run, but they're on to us now. They know now. It's the white guys. And if you're trying to be thin, you're throwing in with the white guys. And by, by the way, desirability, I, I'll be the first to say, and I know you'll agree with me, we, we, yes, we're, we're, we're obsessed with thin and uh we're, we're we you know we worship at the altar of eternal youth it's not right but what a what a a, a presumptuous hag for presuming that everybody that's losing weight is losing weight to look like a supermodel what what if people are losing weight because they want to fit into their clothes or be comfortable or not be out of breath when they go upstairs or maybe they um I don't know, they want to have sex with their husband or wife more often or something like that. Oh, but she knows. All right, and then she goes on to her second reason. As well as, you know, white supremacy and all that jazz. So next is health. What we know is that weight is not a good indicator of someone's health. And also, Mm. your health is not an indicator of your worth. Mm. You can have health and body-related goals for yourself that are not about fat phobia and not about weight loss. So let me Mm. give you an example. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, (laughs) If, if you are very overweight, there is a very good chance that you have health issues or will. And if you don't, that's terrific. But how dare she discourage people from at least looking into that? 
I mean, remember when they were mad at people for talking down the vaccine, which was brand new and experimental? Well, slimming down to your more appropriate height and weight body weight is not exactly experimental. So while she's technically right that it's not the be-all and end-all, and you shouldn't get too hung up on an exact number or BMI or anything like that, again, I think it's just, it's just sick that you're trying to knock people down when what they're trying to do is lift themselves up. But she knows the reason. She knows the real reason you're doing it. All right, let's hear more. You might decide that you have a goal of hiking a particular mountain in your area. Now, you would be engaging in different types of movement in order to achieve that goal. You may or may not lose weight in doing that. And in fact, there's lots of fat mountaineers and hikers. Third bucket reason is that you might be facing extreme fat phobia and anti-fat bias in your own life and you have personally mentally hit a wall where you can't deal with it anymore and so you decide to intentionally lose weight. That is actually the case with Roxanne Gay, who is very tall. They are like six foot or six one. And prior to their weight loss surgery, they would have been categorized as a super fat. So being a super fat and being that tall comes with a particular type of physical accessibility challenge as well as anti-fatness. And so for that reason, Roxanne Gay elected to have weight loss surgery. But it's really important that if you still go through with intentional weight loss that you don't sacrifice fat liberation politics because otherwise oh, it's still I just can't take any more. I can't I'm sorry. I'm all full up. I, I, I can't eat anymore. Good God. What is the deal? See, this is why I said before the news, I think what people have decided to do is when they are not happy with their own life, rather than try again or take another stab at it, they're, they're going to redefine it for everyone. I'll bet you anything. I don't know this lady. I'll bet you anything. For all her talk, she tried to lose the weight and couldn't. Or didn't. And I sympathize. I tried many times. And I even told myself at one point, oh, well, I'm probably just meant to look like this. But whether you do or you don't, and whether it works or it doesn't, or whether you're making this same resolution a year from now, and I'll be in your corner then too, or whether you decide to accept yourself the way you are, which is also fine. But, but for God's sakes, either be a cheerleader or shut the hell up. But redefining, telling people, oh, you should just stay that way because you're a hater if you don't. It's hateful if you're trying to change the way you look, says a woman who's making a TikTok video with her face covered with makeup. Why, why can't I say she's face phobic? <laughs> That's not naturally how her eyes look. So crazy. These are the things. This is the stuff I was talking about before that's pulling people who are not normally political back into the system. And, and this is what's waking people up. Not woken, but waking people up. Every day, the crazy becomes more and more than you normal people can ignore. And here's just another example of it. Tell me what you think. 210. 599-5555. Another look at KTSA Time Saver Traffic. And in the new year, if resolutions about health or feeling better or taking better care of yourself or part of your plan, and I hope they are, and I encourage it, 
Uh, Dr. Mark Havercorn at River City Oral Surgery is there to help, whether it's dental implants, whether it's resolving those wisdom teeth that you've been putting off dealing with. Uh, Dr. Mark Havercorn is free market medicine. That means all of their prices are on their website at rivercityoms.com. It means direct patient care. He doesn't let the insurance company tell you or tell him what he can do for you or how much time he can spend consulting with you. Uh, So ask all your questions, fully understand what you're getting into, know exactly what your price is, no surprises, no bills to be determined later with River City Oral Surgery, a board-certified oral surgeon who's doing things differently. That's River City Oral Surgery. Go to rivercityoms.com. That's rivercityoms.com. Hi, this is Trey Ware. Stay connected with News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071 on Facebook, Twitter, and online at KTSA.com. 522-550-1071 KTSA. Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. Happy New Year. Great to be back. We're going to talk to Ed Morrissey from HotAir.com coming up in about 15 minutes. Have you heard about this, uh, you know, with all this talk about Congress and Kevin McCarthy, have you heard about this guy who was, he was elected in November. He's one of the new Republicans. He he was a pickup, meaning this was a Democratic uh, district. It's the third district in New York. They flipped it. Republican guy wins it. He's a young guy, 34, new, new face in politics. His name is George Santos. There were a lot of stories about him that he... Uh, you know, that he's the, the new face of the Republican Party, he's openly gay, he's young, he's Hispanic. And his entire story has unraveled. We don't know who he is. He doesn't know who he is. He has admitted to lying about graduating from college. I mean, he gave a specific school and degree program like no one would check. He's admitted to inflating his credentials in his finance career on his resume. He is admitting, or he he lied about uh, specific companies he said he worked for. They have no record of it. He is Catholic, but during the campaign, said he was Jewish. And when he was asked about that, he told the New York Post that he uh, said that because there is, quote-unquote, a Jewish background on his maternal side. I don't know what that means. Either you have Jewish relatives? What, What is a Jewish background? But then he said this, he said, I didn't mean I was Jewish, I meant I was Jewish. I'm not making this up, and please don't be offended, because I, w- I would be offended if I heard somebody say that. I'm not saying it. That's what he said. What the hell is that? <laughs> what does that mean? So, all of this is to say that... Th- th- like a lot of politicians, George Santos is a liar, liar, pants on fire. But now here's where it gets, here's where it gets interesting. He, um, and by the way, there's other stuff. I haven't even gone into all of it. He may have written bad checks in Brazil. He may be facing criminal charges in that country. I haven't even told you all the stuff he lied about and embellished 
on his resume. But 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 here's where it gets interesting. Um, the um, Democrats are saying that he needs to um, resign. And, of course, they want him to resign because New York is a Democratic state, has a Democratic governor. Presumably she would appoint a replacement until they could hold an election. And so this would flip the seat back to the Democrats and probably will flip it back because if this guy stays, you know the voters are going to throw him out in his ear in the next election. They probably are anyway. I would think they would. I guess I shouldn't assume that. But probably he's one and done, you know. Um, there isn't actually, so far, there really isn't anything obviously, um, like impeachable with this guy. Like the things he lied about, they're lies. Um, and he may have issues with his financial background, he may have written bad checks, he may have some criminal issues, but the voters are the ones that elected him. And as long as he's not failing to meet the basic qualifications the Constitution sets forth, and if the voters chose him, I don't think there's any way to exclude him. You know? But but it, here's where it gets really funny. If you start saying, well, we need to get rid of him, he needs to not have a, a, a seat in the Congress because he lied, what do you do, Democrats, about your president who has told more lies over more decades than George Santos has been alive? He's told many of the same lies George Santos told, lied about his college, lied about his ethnic background, lied about where he worked, or in, in, in Joe Biden's case, didn't work. Where does it end? I'll give you George Santos. You can have him. He's a clown. Or should I say he's clownish? But we can't stop with him if we're serious about this. What do you do about Joe Biden? And Republicans don't get off the hook either. You've got a ton of people that are truth-challenged, including Donald Trump. What do you do? I say the voters should get to decide. You know what? He's their representative. And they may have to wait two years, but if they want to throw him out, that's when they do it. And that's who should do it. Nobody else, I don't think. 210-599-5555 on KTSA. Jimmy's on the radio. Jimmy, good afternoon. Hey, Jack. Uh, good afternoon. So what do you think should happen with this guy? Well, I mean, uh, there's nothing that they could – look, the reality is the Republicans have long since wanted to be just like the Democrats, and there you go. We got it. Until we get rid oh, of Oh, yeah, they want people to check all the boxes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, until we get rid of this broken two-party system, uh, we're going to get more and more Joe Biden-ish. That's not a word. I just made that up. That was pretty good <laughs> right there. <laughs> Oh, it's a word. So, hey, I could, I could run. I could after that word. I could. Well, run. look. Th not only should he not be thrown out of Congress, but I don't see why he shouldn't wait forty years and run for president when he's in his seventies. Uh, I will vote for him, but I'll be dead. I'll be dead. Yeah, well, you, you and me. You and me. You and me both, Jimmy. Thanks for the call. Yeah. No, I. I like I said, I'm not defending him. I, I'm somewhat tongue in cheek on this because the guy is obviously a snake. But um, I, it's just funny to me 
this played out over the course of the time that I wasn't uh, on the air, but I, I just I find it funny, the the faux outrage, you know, uh, and the and the uh, the calls for action. The freaking president of the United States doesn't get through a week without a totally fabricated biographical or resume detail that are that are easily disproven that have been disproven in the past i mean journalists that have lived and died and are buried have already debunked some of joe biden's stories that he's still telling this guy comes along he's a he's a minor leaguer he's a rookie he's a piker look at dick blumenthal the senator from connecticut the stolen valor guy you remember him I don't know if you remember this story. This came out years ago. He's a Democratic senator from Connecticut, and he had been something else before. I don't know if he was a state official or a congressman, but he's been in the Senate quite a while. Lied his head off about being a combat veteran in Vietnam. He had military service. It wasn't in Vietnam. And at the time... I guess we were naive. It looked like, oh, curtains for Dick Blumenthal. People in Connecticut, they, they throw their votes at him. But that's, that's, their, that's their deal. You know, if, that, if, they, if he's who they want, then they can have him. And if the Democrats want Joe Biden, I don't think they have a thing to say about George Santos. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm with Jimmy. I mean, I think the Republicans look foolish, but... And, 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 you know, I was thinking about this. Did no one do the opposition research on this guy, or did they do it? Like, what if they? What if the Democrats knew all along that he was a ticking time bomb? Maybe they let him go. They let him through. I mean, we know in other races, uh, Schumer and the Democrats put Democratic money behind who they perceived to be the weakest or most marginal Republican candidate, like in a primary field, so they'd be able to knock that person off later. And it worked. They pulled it off. Maybe with George Santos, they were like, you know what? Let him win. We'll get that seat back right after the election. 531, we'll get an update on KTSA Time Saver Traffic. Uh, Ed Morrissey from HotAir.com joins the show. You can join 210 599-5555. You know, I see some of these television commercials for these companies that will come out and change your bathroom in a day. And, I, I, you know, we're not dummies. There's only so much you can do in a day. Uh, and, and even the pictures on television, to me it looks like a cheap hotel bathroom or something. I don't know. It doesn't look, doesn't look that great. So I will tell you this. If you call Kitchen Design by Giovanni at 210 460 zero one one three it won't be a day but it will be a designer working with you and giving you choices on colors and paint and hardware for the cabinets and the cabinets themselves and countertops you've got choices and you design with them your bathroom and you get the utility and the accessibility that you need so it might take more than a day but it's so worth it and often it's for about the same price kitchen designs by giovanni 210 410- Four six zero zero one one three. That's Kitchen Designs by Giovanni two ten four six zero zero one one three. At home, anywhere, anywhere, in the car, anytime, anytime, everywhere. Get the Jack Riccardi Show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. KTSA News Time five thirty eight on San Antonio's five fifty and one zero seven one KTSA. 
Joining the show now, our favorite blogger from HotAir.com, Ed Morrissey, uh, on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line. Happy New Year, Ed. Welcome back. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for having me on today. We originally uh, wanted to ask you, and I will ask you, about uh, Benedict XVI. But first, I, I, I have to see where your head is at right now on the McCarthy story, because this is a dumpster fire. Yes. That's where my head's at, too, Jack. It's a dumpster fire. It's a completely uh, self-inflicted dumpster fire. Uh, this is a self-immolation going on. For no good reason whatsoever, other than what seems to be more or less a, a personal grudge. Um, I mean, Republicans had an election, a leadership election, what was it, six or seven weeks ago, or maybe it was five weeks ago? And the time to settle all this was, was then. Right. Uh, you know, McCarthy ended up getting 188 votes in the caucus, 188 to 31, I think it was for Biggs. That should really be in the end of it, that, and that's when you have those things going on. And I think that today is just uh, – I think there's a lot of reputations getting burned down today. It's just really frustrating. Are they going to just, in the end, do this, and they had to sort of uh, you know, give vent to this, or is he not going to make it? Well, I don't think he's backing down. I think his, his allies are telling him not to back down, that they're not going to vote for anybody else. So I think we keep playing this game of chicken for a while. I'll tell you what I think might be the outcome of this. If, if Hakeem Jeffries is smart, what he'll do is he'll tell about 60 or so of his caucus not to show up tomorrow so that the quorum call ends up being something like around, oh, I don't know, 370 or something, right? That are, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me think that through. About, yeah, about 378, I guess it would be, or 374. Uh, if they do that, 374, be 374, then all of a sudden all you need is, um, um, what, 172 for, or mm-hmm. 173 or 174 for a majority, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then you get McCarthy, who's going to be speaker, right? McCarthy ends up being speaker, and you end up perpetuating the feud for the entire two years. I mean, if, <laughs> I mean, well, at this point, okay, but, to- but, but, like, why do I want him as speaker now? Because they only have a five-vote majority. He clearly doesn't command it. He's, he's got – for me as a conservative, he's got zero value. Why, why do I want him? I, who else are you going to get? Who in, who in this caucus is going to step up and do that job? Jim Jordan's made it clear he doesn't want to do it. Steve Scalise doesn't want to do it. Well, do who they not want to do it, work? or do they have to pretend they don't want to do it because that's the, you know, company Jim line? Jim Jordan wants like, the oversight. Jim Jordan wants to be oversight chair. This okay. is a guy who's itching to do yeah. the investigations, right? right. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. Um, you know, Scalise might want to be speaker at some point, but I don't think he wants to be speaker behind a, behind a backbencher revolt because yeah. there's, there's no future in that. Um, what you do when you do that is you give 20 people the right to dethrone you at any time. And I don't think mm-hmm. Scalise wants to be uh, a speaker. Well, but, but, so I, I get what you're saying, but I, I keep coming back to the fact that even if after X number of ballots McCarthy pulls this off, those dissenters or whatever you want to call them are now people that are not, you can't whip them, they're not reliable to you. You know, say right. what you want about Nancy Pelosi, but she kept those people in line. She had them, and same thing with, you know, Schumer. I mean, there's no, they keep them in line. 
The Republicans don't have anybody to do that. That seems to be their problem rather than just the personality thing, right? Well, I think part of the reason why Pelosi kept in the line is because she did a ton of fundraising for them, right? She was the fundraising machine. She controlled mm-hmm. all the fundraising. Right. I mean, that was really the authoritarian top-down model, right, on mm-hmm. the Democratic side. It's a lot more um, – it's it's a lot more how do I want to say this um, well spread out you know it's it's a lot more decentralized yeah. uh, the fundraising and all that type of stuff is a lot more decentralized and this is the reason why you have these problems when you have very thin majorities and even with that I mean Pelosi was having trouble keeping her caucus together the last two years um, she had the exact same numbers by the way 222 to uh, 213 and she had trouble keeping her caucus yeah. together they couldn't get things passed remember how many times. Build Back Better came to the floor only to have her pull it because she couldn't get it passed. True, um, true. So, and, and she had a friendly president and a friendly Senate, um, which, you know, McCarthy won't have. Uh, and that's part of the point here is that you're not going to pass anything anyway that's going to make it to – I mean, you might pass something. You, you, are, you are making make a lot of sense, law. but i got to be honest. I'm sorry. i got to be honest. I, watching him twist in the wind has a certain satisfaction to me. <laughs> He just doesn't he just well, he just gives off like a like a smarmy small town weekend anchor man kind of vibe, you know? Hey, I I resent that as a smarmy small town weekend <laughs> anchor guy. No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I don't know. He know, just he seems like a blow dried phony to me. He just doesn't. I don't want to. I'm not pulling for him because I don't feel like he represents anything to me. Sure, I'm pulling for him either, but I mean, I don't think that you want 20 people undermining, yeah. uh, you know, the caucus election I process hear you. either. I mean, yeah. what's what's the end game for that? The end game for that is you got 20 people who want to have a radical agenda on the floor that nobody's going to vote for. I right? Mean, no, you're right about that, that. You're being the you're being the grown up, Ed, which is why which is why I need you today because I just want to see him, you know, get embarrassed. Um, more serious story right before the the new year and and not a surprise given his advanced age and 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 health uh the pope emeritus emeritus yeah. uh, emeritus excuse me benedict the 16th passed um i i've always felt like and i include myself in this we kind of rushed to judgment on joseph ratzinger when he succeeded john paul ii partly because that's who he succeeded and partly because the the sort of thumbnail sketch of him was, oh, he he he's the the German priest with the you know shadowy uh, Nazi background, and, and really what I what I came to learn over the years watching him as Pope, listening to him, reading his writings, which by the way are are voluminous and brilliant, this is yep. one of the greatest religious scholars of our lifetime. Indeed. Indeed, and I think I, I think that people had an appreciation of that during his lifetime, right? I, I mean, I I think that it's going to take many, many, many years to unpack all the brilliance that he had in his career as a theologian. I don't really think that that's that, that part of his legacy is going to be terribly much in dispute, and I think it's pretty well recognized now. I actually think he's going to look like a stronger pope than he did um, during the period of time, you know, with the perspective of time. His theological um, brilliance is what allowed the Vatican II project, I think, to really reach fruition, um, to, to sort of come into a, mm. full, uh, a full realization in terms of a church philosophy. Now, that, a lot of that was burdened by the church's 
fumbled response on on the abuse scandal, multiple you know multiple fumbles on the abuse scandal. We're still seeing some of that play out because mm-hmm. you're still seeing things that are coming out from you know the last thirty forty years, including in Germany for that matter. But but I think that what he what he did and what what John Paul II did as well is provide that theological theological mm-hmm. infrastructure. I think is a good way of uh, thinking about this, so that Vatican II, the project of Vatican II, could be fully realized. And now it's a question of putting it into practice and 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 understanding how to do that. And that's where Pope Francis is, is going to have to uh, lead. And I think the next pope is going to have to figure that yeah, out a, as well. But there's a great as you were saying that I was thinking of that uh, terrific book by I think George Weigel wrote it called The Next Pope. Um, yeah. where he talks yeah. about the, the next pope will be the post-Vatican II pope. Almost certainly, just given, you know, chronology, this will be someone who came into the priesthood afterwards. Right. And the last three popes have been of the Vatican II era, and, and actually the, we're, we're all involved in it, uh, you know, the, the, the council, but... But this is now the, the, the next one will be the one that leads out of it. I, I also think he had a lot to say, and, I, I, you know, a lot has been said about uh, things like relativism and secularism, yeah. um, especially he, sp- he really, you know, he really called out his, you know, home country and Europe, his home continent uh, on that. I was even thinking of this uh, with the, you know, the, the story about Damar Hamlin, uh, Ed, because isn't it interesting that the first impulse of the football players, the spectators, the media people, this whole country has been to pray for DeMar Hamlin. And everyone is saying that as in a very natural and, I believe, authentic way. Yet we have just come through years and years of being told you can't have public prayer. You can't pray before a game. You can't pray after a game. You can't have coercive uh, or menacing presence of public prayer. And yet, in a moment when no one knew what to do, that was the only thing anyone knew what to do. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a really great point. And and I think that it, it, it speaks to the idea that in times of crisis, we recognize that we are not the we are not God, that we ourselves are not God. And that it's it's those times of crisis. There was somebody who was um, actually, I think it was on Fox earlier today, who was speaking very similarly about this, which was that you know the the, the really beautiful thing about this, you know, because you look at a young man who's going through this, and certainly we're praying that he's going to come through and be okay. But you ask God, why are you know why why does this happen? And and then you look around and see everybody kneeling and everybody praying yeah. and people linking arms. And there's some beautiful testimonials about this in the fans, about fans doing this as well. Yes. And, and he says, and you look at that and you go, okay, this is why, because it, because it brings mm-hmm. us together, it reminds us of this. And I think that when you're talking about Pope Benedict's, um, I, I guess you can, his, his, um, his rebuttal to uh, moral relativism and, um, and uh, atheism, is that that impulse is built into us for a reason. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's because we are not the creators of this universe, and this universe is created. Therefore, there is a mm-hmm. God, and we have to recognize yeah. our relationship to him. Beautifully put. I think that was his battle cry. Um, I think he would absolutely have understood 
the response in Cincinnati last night, and I think it tells us a lot about ourselves. Despite what we say about prayer, we just showed how much across all ethnic, racial, income lines, fans of the opposite team, we still we still know we need it. Ed Morrissey at HotAir.com, a daily read for me. And, and Ed, it's always a privilege when you join the show. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for having me. We'll talk to you soon. It's 5.50. It's KTSA. A look here at KTSA Time Saver Traffic. At the top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. Better understand what's going on. And that's really what's happening here. On News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. 555 on KTSA. Do you really care who the Republicans make Speaker of the House? I mean, is this a thing to you? Uh, we're going to talk about that. That's our question on the JR poll. Uh, Congressman Chip Roy will be joining us next hour. And uh, your calls, 210-599-5555. I, I, I think Ed Morrissey's right that there's probably no one else they can turn to. But that is pathetic. I mean, that is itself a problem, right? Like, if in the end, after all these humiliating votes and revotes and ballots, and this is how he becomes the Speaker of the House, it's it's a hollow victory, right? And the whole point is that this guy stands for nothing but his own advancement. He's he's been working on becoming Speaker of the House. That's been his project. You know, you can say what you want about. Uh, like Newt Gingrich, but but he was an ideologue. He was like an idea guy. He was on fire. He might have tried to do forty things at once. But give me the give me the people that are brimming over with ideas, rather than the people whose only idea is, I, I've been waiting for this. I've I've earned this. It's my it's my turn. And that's what I get from from Kevin McCarthy. And and you know we're we're wise to the game now, right? Like you know, ten twenty years ago. If a Republican politician told you he was conservative, you were like, thank God, I'll take him. But you don't buy that anymore. I mean, when when somebody tells you, I'm a very good conservative, you just sit back with your arms folded like, oh, really? Yeah, like in in what way or what's an example or what's an issue I care about that you've taken a stand on? And we are looking for fighters. We are looking for people who will say the unpopular thing and mean it not people who will just tell us what, what they think we want to hear. In tying it back, we were talking about Pope Benedict XVI. One of his legacies, and, and, and if you're Catholic, you, you probably know this, and if you, you're not, just understand that I'm, I, I respect that, but, but obviously the Pope, whoever he is, is a major religious leader uh, in the world. This was a man who took positions he knew were right but were not popular or politically correct and he had the intellect and the depth to back them up he called out secularism he called out relativism it's easy to tell people what they want to hear that goes for priests and pastors and the leaders of the flock you can do that i mean there's a lot of churches that are very pleasant to attend Wonderful music, comfortable chairs. Give me a church that makes me a little uncomfortable. Give me a church that tells me what I may not want to hear, but I need to hear. And Benedict was the epitome of that. 
and he was, I think, by, including by myself, very underappreciated at first. And then I, I grew an appreciation of him. And as the years go by, and I see more and more of this secularism and this relativism and how unsatisfying it is and how failed it is, I appreciate the people that are telling the truth and hitting us between the eyes with it more and more and more. Do you feel that way? After the news, we continue the conversation here on KTSA. I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News, and this is more of the Jack Riccardi Show. Well, Christian, I know you said you were wrestling with some state paperwork, but other than that, how was your uh, first Texas Christmas and New Year's? You know, I sent out, a, uh, I guess, a post on Facebook. It had been 27 years since... I went through the holidays in Texas uh, yeah. a long time ago in a lot of different places. But my wife and I were just thrilled that on yeah. New Year's Day, we were wearing short sleeves. Mm-hmm. First time ever for her. But for me, I was like, oh, baby, it's been <laughs> it's been more than a couple decades. So, yeah, uh, yeah. actually, a lot of years in California it was pretty mild, too. But uh, it was great to be back in the Lone Star State. I can well, tell you that in all honesty. Well, uh, again, my best to your family, and it's great to be back with you again this week. Um, you know, we played the uh, worst Christmas song right before uh, Christmas. We do that every year. Yeah, yeah. I get more of these. I get more of these emails every year. This is very cool. Uh, Cynthia wrote this one. I uh, hope you had a Merry Christmas. Just a quick note about the worst Christmas song. When my grandkids were younger, we would always listen to the song when you would play it, and we would laugh and repeat it. Now that they're in high school. Um, she said, my granddaughter says that when she plays the song for her group of friends, they think it's great, and they keep playing it while wrapping presents. None of them had ever heard it before, and it was the hit of their party. And then I had some emails from people who said, this has become a tradition in our family, or this is the one thing my son and I agree on, this song. So in a very weird way, I guess it's not the worst Christmas song. I was going to say, though, it seems like the script is kind of flip. It's kind of like the ugly Christmas sweater, but only music. And I, I, may be, I may be pulling off the impossible here. You might be. I may be making people love this song. <laughs> That's right. If I can do that, who knows what, I, what else I can do. But anyway, the sky's uh, thank you the for limit. the... <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if that's your tradition, and that's... What, listen, I know what it's like to have a teenager, so whatever you can connect with them on, uh, grab onto it. If it's that song, by all means. Uh, 609 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Later in this hour, um, we're going to see how you voted on the poll question. We're still taking your votes. Do you care who Republicans make Speaker of the House? Every talk show in America today has either a host or a guest or a caller saying it has to be McCarthy, it has to be anybody but McCarthy, it should be this person, it should be that person. I'll tell you what, two things that really matter here. The Republicans didn't get a red wave. So you're going to be the captain of of, of not a battleship, but a, a dinghy. Okay, you're going to have a five or six vote majority, and maybe less based on how things break. Secondly, most of these Republicans are are interchangeable. I'm sorry, they just are. The reason you are craving strong leadership is because there's not a leader under every rock. So while I, 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 I will go along with all the McCarthy jokes and he looks ridiculous and this is humiliating and he, he seems like a, a, an overly ambitious guy... 
it, it, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter which one of them gets the title. I'll tell you what matters. What matters is how they vote as a body. What matters is whether or not they can muster enough backbone to slow down the next two years so that if you elect the right person president in 2024, the country isn't too far gone when you do. That's, that's what matters. The other, the other stuff is kind of window dressing. Our next guest does care uh, and has been voting, and he's Congressman Chip Roy. He's on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners newsmaker line right now. Congressman, good evening to you. How are you, brother? What a day you guys have had. Well, something about January third just uh, you know gets my inner spirit out. But no, we're look. This is just the, this is just doing our job. We vote, right? Everybody acts like this right. is just crazy. Um, it's crazy over the last hundred years because the two party system is so monopolized and entrenched right. in this town that you don't have real debate. So all of, suddenly you have real debate on the floor and people go, "Oh my gosh, what's happening? Oh, what what are we going to do?" It's like, calm down, dude. We're just voting, and and right. and that's what we're going to you know focus on. So when you say you're doing your job, is your job to find a way to make a deal with Kevin McCarthy, or is your job to keep Kevin McCarthy from becoming speaker? My job has nothing to do with Kevin McCarthy. My job has to do with ensuring that the 750,000 Texans I represent have a voice in Washington, and they haven't had one uh, from the standpoint of the ability to exercise my vote to its fullest power and vision in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Uh, No amendments offered on the floor since May of 2016. The inability to actually stop a bill like the omnibus spending bill in in December because the powers that be just decide they craft it behind closed doors. They jam it through a rule. They get it down to the floor and they say, sorry. And so let's take Kevin McCarthy, for example. Right. Go back and look at previous votes in the past. Kevin McCarthy joined with 74 Republicans in the minority to pass a DHS appropriations bill that failed to stop the DAPA DACA problems. McCarthy and just 27 Republicans joined with nearly every Democrat to pass a year-long debt suspension that included no fiscal policy wins in 2014. He joined with 86 Republicans uh, in the 2013 government shutdown initiated by Ted Cruz. He voted with every Democrat to pass a CR that funded Obamacare rather than defunding it. I could go through vote after vote after vote. I was willing to negotiate and sit down to try to change the place. And last night, we tried to make a final offer. He walked away. And today we're saying, sorry, we're going to we're going to vote for someone else to keep forcing Mm -hmm. the question. But I'll Mm -hmm. say one last point. This morning, he had a Republican conference meeting. And in that meeting, there were threats made to me and others about our committee positions and other things. And let's just say a lot of people didn't take kindly to it. And to the extent that he wanted to be speaker, that sure as heck didn't help. So my job is to keep fighting for my constituents to have a voice here. We have to be able to stop a bill like that omnibus bill. And right now, we do not have the tools to do that. No matter what McCarthy says, oh, we gave you everything you wanted. No, you didn't. Mm -hmm. I need to have power in the Rules Committee to stop a bill like that. Otherwise, our country is going to be destroyed. So, and I respect what you're saying about you're there to represent your constituents, and and you're right. Um, But to the issue, it sounds to me like you don't think or would not believe, even if he said... I'm your guy, I get it, message received, from now on it'll be different. It doesn't sound like you're you're, uh, a customer for that. Well, for the last almost 60 days, I've been working in generally what I believe to be good faith with 
Kevin and others in, in the Republican conference, and we have achieved certain uh, victories, if you will, or improvements uh, and changes to the rules, to, to one person, one subject bills, to try to solidify the 72-hour rule to read the bill. Although, by the way, that's the existing rule. It just gets waived. Um, to try to solidify how we can get amendments offered and, and germaneness to those amendments. All those are like in the weed things to say we should have a voice, but we're not there yet. So my point is either get there, which you haven't done. And, he, and by the way, he kind of messed around for a while, believing that he had all the votes locked up, believing that he could cow people. Mm-hmm. But a whole bunch of people said no to that. So increasingly, he started counting votes, getting nervous. Let me put it to you this way. I've probably gotten about 12 phone calls from Kevin in the last month. I think I got maybe three in the previous four years. You tell me what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, and you got to look. You got to play the cards you have, and 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 I, I agree with your goals. Um, and I personally, I, I you know, I have no interest in him one way or the other. Um, wh- wh- what do you think? Uh, how does this end? Well, it ends when the Republican Party looks itself in the mirror, the the, the people in the Republican conference up here, and decides that they want to fundamentally change this place. Um, I believe we're making headway there. We're having a lot of good conversations across the conference. Um, I'm, I'm just going to state right here. It, 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 it is not my goal for it to be Kevin or anyone else in particular. What I want, because you said it actually in the lead into this, I was listening to the show. It kind of doesn't matter, right? Because a lot of these creatures who can get 218 votes are interchangeable, but that's not entirely true. You saw on the floor today, Jim Jordan. Now, maybe he can't get to 218. But Jim Jordan was demonstrating leadership on the floor, mm-hmm. right? He's not seeking to be the speaker. He's mm-hmm. nominating Kevin. Now, that's, that's because he's a good politician. Um, but Jim's a good guy, and he was making the case for why we should go after Democrats. And the most animated I've seen Kevin McCarthy was this morning in a Republican conference demanding that he be speaker. That is the most animated I've seen him as mm-hmm. compared to seeing him on the floor of yeah. the House demanding that we fight for the people that I represent. So, look, it's not personal. I, I, I could I could I could work out a deal myself. I could work a deal right now with anybody in the conference. But I'm telling you, the way it's been handled, it is not looking good for uh, for for Kevin at the moment in terms of where it goes from here. When you say they threatened you and others, who who exactly is issuing such threats? And, and what would that would that mean? You wouldn't be on a committee or you'd lose seniority or what would that mean? Well, that's that's the uh, uh, you know idea. So this morning, now look, I, I have a rule that I don't talk about private meetings. However, when it all gets leaked out in real time, then I can respond to what was leaked out. Well, it was leaked out that Mike Rogers uh, from Alabama said straight up, all of you who are if you don't vote for Kevin McCarthy on the first ballot, you will be stripped of your committees. And he said that. Now, a whole lot of members in that conference room were kind of reacted to that. And kind of pulled me aside and some others and said, no, 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 no. He's not speaking for, for all of us. That's, that's him, Mike being Mike. But I'm just trying to give you guys, the yeah. listeners out there in San Antonio that I represent, a glimpse into the kind of garbage that goes yeah. on up here. How you end up with these big bills are people who think they're more powerful than the voters that sent them here because they play around in a sandbox of all of these big, uh, you know, uh, defense industrial complex uh, games and say, oh, we need, to, we need to pass a big defense bill. And a big NDA bill. So we'll cut a deal with Democrats and we'll bankrupt this country for our kids and grandkids, basically undermining all of the sacrifices that our men and women in uniform are making to save this country in the first place. I refuse to do that. 
And I'm going to keep fighting to stop spending money we don't have to secure the border of the United States and end the bureaucratic tyranny trampling over the people I represent. I don't have the tools yet to guarantee that. And we have to fight this administration and fight the Senate because Mitch McConnell sure as hell isn't after what he did, just screwing the people of Texas that I represent by jamming that bill through and didn't get enough fight out of our current leadership. Did I did I hear that he's having an event in Kentucky with President Biden? He's hosting President Biden to celebrate the spending bill. Yeah, quaint, isn't it? Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, kind of like unbelievable. You know, right. Well, except unfortunately, it's entirely believable. Yeah. You know, look, I, I'm, I'm nothing actually, says the election is over like that, right? Look, I am bullish right now that there are a lot of people in this town that right now understand the need for change. And I'm trying to fight for it. What happens in the next 48 hours, I cannot predict. But I didn't come here for second place. And no one in San Antonio sent me here for second place. Uh, We got to save this country for our kids and grandkids. And I'm damn well going to lay everything on the field trying. Congressman, thank you tonight. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for the time. We'll check back with you. Congressman Chip Roy on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line. We'll get an update on KTSA Time Saver Traffic. Continue our conversation here on KTSA. Six twenty-four on KTSA, Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show, and uh, you just heard Chip Roy, the congressman from South Texas, part of the San Antonio delegation, uh, and one of the twenty or so Republicans that keep voting against Kevin McCarthy. Talk about the speaker's race. Do you care about the outcome of this? Do you have a uh, a horse in this race, or are you not watching this race? Jason is on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSA. Jason, good evening. Hey, hey, good evening, Jack. You got a great show. Look, thank you, sir. You do have a horse in this race. Everybody's saying, hey, all the Republicans are saying you got to pick McCarthy. No, we don't. We don't need to see more of that. We're at a crossroads. Congressman Roy made a perfect point. It's it's the opportunity to pick somebody that's going to fight. Look, I'm going to tell you, if you look at if you look at Pelosi, everybody fell in line for her. They blind loyalty. But that's because. All the Democrats, she fought for everything pro-Democrat. McCarthy is just like McConnell. He just isn't as bad yet. He'll be like that here in about eight or ten years. We're at a crossroads. I'm going to tell you, you get a guy like Chip Roy, you get a guy like Jim Jordan, those are the Mm -hmm. guys we need. Mm -hmm. Not these guys that go up there and go along, get along. I agree, McCarthy's better than Pelosi. He's the lesser of two evils. We don't have to pick them, though, do we? No. I, well, and I'll tell you something else. I, I don't even think it matters at this point. Frankly, if they picked the Democrat, I, I, it doesn't even matter because what, what matters is who, how they're going to vote. You know, what matters is not who has the gavel. What matters is how they're going to vote. And if they're not willing to what you're saying is true, but they've got to fight like this on everything, not just on the speaker vote. This is this thing yeah, right here is the easiest thing they're ever going to have to do. Well, I, I'm not so I'm not quite so sure, but I'm going to tell you. I think this is the toughest, and I'll tell you why. The speaker has got a he represents or she represents all those conservatives, all the Republicans behind the scenes as well with the president. The speaker's pretty darn powerful. I think well, I'm not saying that. it's not a powerful position. I'm not. You're, you're right about that. I'm not saying that it's not powerful. What I'm saying is. When you look at how um, amorphous and 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 uniparty 
most Republicans and Democrats act, right? You, you, you know when we're not looking, they're having lunch with each other and their sons and daughters are marrying yep. each other and they're going on vacations together and all this stuff. They've all been to Epstein's Island together. You know, when, when you look at all that, you realize that the, the only stuff that matters is when they actually take a stand. And they can take that stand no matter who the, the, the speaker is. You're, you're right that, yes, there's power there and he can set the agenda and stuff like that. But I, what, what I keep coming back to is, it, yes, get this right, but then you've got to fight like this on everything else. And I just, I'll believe it when I see it. But, Jason, I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. Uh, 210-599-5555. I mean, I, I'm... Uh, I'm a little surprised that it's taking this long, but if they all fold up and give in like tomorrow or or Thursday, then what will have this been for? You know, the, the, it was was this just like a symbolic gesture? Um, and even to say, well, if we can work things out with McCarthy, okay, what, what, I don't want him. <laughs> I don't. I don't care what you what you extract from him. I don't care what promises he makes you. I've watched this guy for years. He didn't just get there. You know, a lot of people are just hearing his name for the first time, but you follow this stuff. You know, he's been a Republican leader for years. He's been feckless. He's been useless. And the only thing he has going for him, and it's sad to say this is what most of them, you know, this is how most of them rise politically. He waited his turn. He paid his dues. That's what Joe Biden did. Okay, that's what most of these people do. And this is not the time for next man up or the guy that, you know, uh, was loyal or paid his dues or held somebody else's jacket. <laughs> this is not the time for that. Um, I, I don't. And if you're looking forward to 2024, I think there are going to be things that are going to happen between now and 2024 that are going to be incredibly important and will moot 2024 if we don't get them right. Uh, James is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA, 210-599-5555. Hi, James. Yes, sir. How's it going today? It's going, sir. How are you? I'm all right. All I'm going to say about this, we've already had a John Boehner. We've already had a Paul Ryan. We don't need a third schmuck. If they're going to get a chance to get someone in the speaker's house, they need somebody with an iron fist and willing yeah. to wield it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's who, my opinion. I, I, who, I do you have anybody in mind? I, I, uh, you Jim Jordan, get yeah. Uh, yeah. anybody but that stuffed shirt they got in there. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that totally. Very good. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.